welcome to the Daily Office Lectionary. I'm Father Reed. Today we're going to look at the week of last epiphany, or the last Sunday after the epiphany. Now remember, the epiphany is an immovable date, January the 6th. It's always January the 6th. And it is a date in the church calendar where we celebrate the coming of the Magi. Remember the shepherds in the field in Luke chapter 2. Well, this is the coming of the Magi in Matthew chapter 2. And the Magi come and see Jesus. The epiphany, the epiphanos, which is the Greek word, is the appearing of Jesus. So Jesus is going to appear to Jews, the shepherds, and Gentiles, the Magi, and he is going to make himself known to us. The weeks after the Epiphany are titled that way. So you'd have the first Sunday after the Epiphany, the second, the third, the fourth. And we've gone all the way to the seventh Sunday after the Epiphany. And now we're at last Epiphany. How do we know how far we're going to go? Well, that depends on Easter. And Easter this year is April 17th. April 17th. So Epiphany is going to be longer. So we are looking at the week of last Epiphany or the last Sunday after the Epiphany. Now, for Sunday, that always includes the transfiguration. And depending on the church year, A for Matthew, B for Mark, C for Luke, we look at the transfiguration of Jesus on Mount, on the mountain with Peter, James, and John, his three disciples, and the appearance of Moses and Elijah. We celebrate that on the last epiphany and go through those scriptures before we begin the season of Lent. Now, what you'll notice, and you see the scriptures on this program, you see the scriptures for each day, starting on Sunday, going through Saturday. You'll see on Wednesday, you'll see Ash Wednesday. So during the week of last epiphany, we celebrate Ash Wednesday. What is Ash Wednesday? It's the beginning of Lent. And there are five Sundays in Lent. You have the Sunday of Advent. You have the Sunday in Lent. It's very interesting how those prepositions work. Five Sundays. And begin with Ash Wednesday, which is a very holy day and a very important day in the church calendar. So we're going to look at last epiphany. In the Old Testament, we've got Proverbs, Amos, Habakkuk, and Ezekiel. Pretty eclectic. In the New Testament, we have Philippians 2 through Philippians 4. Philippians has four chapters. And Hebrews chapter 12, which we see for Ash Wednesday. In our gospel reading, remember we've been in John for some length of time. We have John 18 and 17. Okay? So let's jump right in. Proverbs 27. Now, Proverbs has 31 chapters. It's an excellent book. I commend it to you highly, perhaps if you've never done this before, to read a book of Proverbs every day. That is a practice that I've been adhering to for a couple of years now. It's very helpful. It doesn't take long to read. But you want to get used to reading a material that will give you wisdom. One of the most important things that you and I need in our lives is wisdom. And that's what Proverbs is about. 
Proverbs 1 through 6. Do not boast about tomorrow, verse 1, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. Let other people praise you and do not worry about tomorrow. 10 to 12, verse 10. Do not forsake your friend and the friend of your father and do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. Get to know your neighbors. You never know when you're going to need these people to help you in daily living. Practical advice, Proverbs chapter 30, 1 through 4 and 24 to 33. 24 to 33. 32, if you have played the fool and exalted yourself, or if you've planned evil, clap your hand over your mouth. One of the great things about Proverbs is the um, comparison between good and evil, between good and evil. And so what you want to do with Proverbs is you want to focus on the good, focus on the things that God has asked you to do that are in his word, that are good for you and me, and then the things that are evil, the things that are not good, the things that are, would not be good for our souls, our mind, our bodies, you want to stay away from. Amos chapter 5. Amos is one of the 12 minor prophets at the end of the book of the Old Testament, the books of the Old Testament, 5, 6 to 15, verse 12. For I know how many are your offenses and how great are your sins. You oppress the righteous and take bribes, and you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Seek good and not evil, that you may live. Amos is a prophet, gives us some wise wisdom. Now there's wisdom in Proverbs. It's just kind of a different kind of wisdom in the prophets. Habakkuk, another one of the 12. Go right in your Bible. Chapter 3, there are only three chapters in uh, Habakkuk. 1 through 10, as you see on your screen, on your program, and 16 through 18. I stand in all of your deeds, O Lord, verse 2. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. He later says in verse 6, his ways are eternal. Habakkuk, like other writers, Amos, Hosea, Micah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, all those prophets of those 12 at the end of the Old Testament are speaking about a specific time in context that they are personally dealing with. And always what you want to remember in your biblical interpretation, in your biblical study is, this is why uh, you want to have a, a commentary or a study Bible where you have notes at the bottom that'll help you, is that you always want to get the context of the scripture first as they understood it and it was meant to be given and then apply it in your own life if you are able to do that. 16 to 18, I love 17 and 18. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Beautiful line. Verse 19, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on to the heights. It, the fig tree doesn't bud. There's no grape. There's no olives. There's no food. There's no sheep in the pen. I am still going to rejoice in the Lord. Will you and I rejoice in the Lord when things are not going right? 
when things are not going well. Very encouraging scripture. And finally, two scriptures in Ezekiel, Ezekiel 18. Ezekiel is a very powerful prophet. 18, 1 to 4, and 25 to 32. Verse 26, this is great, again, wisdom. If a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits sins, he will die for it. Because of the sin he has committed, he will die. So sin will result in death. But if a wicked man turns away from the wickedness he has committed and does what is just and right, he will save his life. Verse 28, because he considers all the offenses he's committed and turns away from them, he will surely live. He will not die. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that it's very, very important to rid yourselves of all the offenses that you and I have committed, verse 31, and get a new heart and a new spirit. So the idea of repentance is very important to Ezekiel. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I take no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Now, can you believe that you hear that from Ezekiel chapter 18? Repent of your wickedness. Repent of your offenses and you will live. God will forgive you. But if we don't repent and we, com- and we will commit sin, if we do not repent, that puts us in great, da- great danger. Ezekiel 39, 21 to 29, verse 23. This is sober. The nations will know that the people of Israel went into exile for their sin because they were unfaithful to me. So I hid my face from them and handed them over to their enemies. The reason they got handed over to their enemies is they were unfaithful to God Almighty. And they fell, they all fell by the sword. I dealt with them according to their uncleanness and their offenses, and I hid my face from them. Now, you notice that we are more in a Lenten season with these offenses. In Amos chapter 5, in Habakkuk, where he restores us if we, if we will repent and he will rejoice over us. Ezekiel 18, the soul who sins will die. And Ezekiel 39, God is destroying and pouring his wrath out on Israel because Israel refuses to repent and remain faithful to God. So as you enter into the time of Lent, beginning on Ash Wednesday, which is in the middle of the week of the last Epiphany, the last Sunday after the Epiphany, you'll want to be thinking about your sin and preparing yourself therein. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 is a fabulous four-chapter book after Ephesians and before Colossians, which are also fabulous books. Colossians has four chapters, Ephesians six. And it is a beautiful book. Chapter two, one through 13, as you see on your program, is just fantastic. I could spend a long time just on this text. If you have any encouragement, verse one, from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. It's just a great way to live your life. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, verse 3, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And then he says, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus. 
and Jesus's attitude, very famous text from six to 11, is a servant, humility, dying on a cross from us, exaltation in verse nine. Every knee's gonna bow, every tongue's gonna confess in Jesus to the glory of God the Father. So, my friends, verse 12, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Let God act in your life, brothers and sisters. But do everything that you can possibly do with fear and trembling. Okay. Chapter 3, 1 through 11. Whatever profit, verse 7, that I consider loss, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss to the, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that they may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. So it's not about merit. It's not about works, James. It's about righteousness. And the righteousness comes from God and is by faith. And the righteousness comes from what God has done for us in Christ. Chapter 3, 1 through 11 is fantastic. And so in 12 to 21, he presses on and strains ahead to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature shouldn't take a few of these things. So in these chapters in Philippians, he's telling us who Christ is. He's giving us doctrine. But he's mostly sharing with us how we should live our lives as Christian people, and it's invaluable information. On Friday and Saturday, we look at Roman, uh, Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, verse 4. I say it again, rejoice. Verse 8, whatever is true, noble, right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is, whatever is admirable, if there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What a great idea. He's in a jail. Remember, he's in a jail in Philippi. Writing to the Philippians, but he's in a jail in Rome and he is suffering for the faith. And he's writing Colossians and Philippians, Philemon and Ephesians from a jail. And he's telling them to rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything. Let the peace of God guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Think about things that are good. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from Paul, put it into practice. God's peace will be with you. Beautiful scriptures. 10 to 20. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Can you say that? being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Again, we're reading the scriptures. We're meditating on them. Sometimes if we don't know really what the passage is about, we're reading um, some commentary 
further prayer, listening to the Holy Spirit, maybe a study Bible that'll give you information about those things. Ash Wednesday is Hebrews 12, 1 to 14. A specific scripture for Ash Wednesday, which is we've said repeatedly, is in the middle of the last Sunday after the Epiphany lectionary readings. In 12, 1 through 14, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're reminded in this Ash Wednesday of Jesus enduring the cross, scorning its shame, sitting down at the right hand of the throne of God. He talks about discipline. He talks about, again, uh, the importance of discipline in your spiritual life. And you and I are going to need discipline to have a good Ash Wednesday Lent discipline in order to listen and get closer to the Lord through Lent. You and I are going to be need to be disciplined and disciplined by the Lord and taught by the Lord. And I pray you'll have a beautiful Lent. I'll talk about that in our next, uh, next week when we look at um, the first Sunday in Lent. Finally, in John, in 18, 15 to 18, there's the denial of Peter. In 18, 25 to 22, there's Peter's second and third denial. And so chapter 18 is not about his death. We see that in 19, but we see what happens when they arrest him and Peter denies him. In chapter 17, interestingly, it's on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, you have the last prayer of Jesus's that we have before the Father. It's a very, very, very profound prayer. This is eternal life, verse 3. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. This is a very intimate conversation between the Father and the Son, the first and second persons of the Holy Trinity. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Before we created the universe, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. That's a stunning statement. Remember the prologue. Remember how great the prologue is in John chapter 1, 1 to 18. So he's praying to his father. And in the second half of this, he's praying for his disciples. He's praying for all of us. Verse 24, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. We're back to that before the world was created. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you sent me. I have made you known to them. That was his ministry. His ministry is getting ready to end, about three years. And will continue to make known, make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. So at the end of Jesus' life, which we celebrate, of course, in Holy Week, 
and his death and, and his burial. At the end of Jesus's life, he has this amazing conversation that we only see in John 17. And he talks about his relationship with the Father. He prays for the disciples that they may be able to carry on after his death. And then he prays for all of us. And he presents himself as offering himself to us, making himself known to us. And then we, in turn, are faithful to him. So when you look at these collection of readings for last epiphany before we move into Lent, we celebrate in the middle of the week, Ash Wednesday. We begin to think about our sins and sinfulness. And we look at wisdom. We look at the wonderful words that Paul has for us in Philippians. We look at the end of Jesus' life. And we look at the beginning of his preparation for death. God bless you in your reading and prayer and reflection on these readings as we celebrate this week, the last Sunday after the Epiphany. See you next week for the first Sunday in Lent.